You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Our text says God. It begins with God. God saw. God separated. God called. He made. He said. He created. He spoke. And as a result, our universe came into existence. So the book of Genesis is all about God. It's not all about history because there was no one present at this time to record for posterity the events that are recorded here for us in the book of Genesis. If you're wondering who God is, what He does, and what He's like, today's passage can help you get some of those answers. Pastor Mike explains that if you want to learn about God, the book of Genesis is a good place to start, because He's the main character. The first few chapters are all about what He did as He made the world and all the things in it. You'll see how He is orderly and powerful, calming the chaos and deliberately creating the universe step by step using only his words. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 1 as he begins his message, First Five Days of Creation. So let's grab our Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, picking up in verse 3. And by the way, this message, the title is The First Five Days of Creation. So we're going to bite off quite a big chunk here in chapter 1. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, that is day and night. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning was the first day, or the first 24-hour period. Then God said, let there be a firmament, that is the heavens, in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were their second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. So if you plant an apple tree, it bears a seed, and if you put that seed in the ground, it produces another apple tree, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, 
the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, referring to the sun and the moon, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, the sun and the moon. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply upon the earth. And so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Okay, so once again, this morning's message, the title is The First Five Days of Creation. Now let's back up a little bit to that introductory message. In our introduction, I had suggested that one of the reasons why I chose this particular book of the Bible, and I had been in prayer about that, I want to be right on the money. I want to address certain issues and subjects and learn lessons that are relevant to what's going on in this body, in the lives of the people who attend our church. But one of the reasons why I particularly chose this book of the Bible was because it is God's successful attempt to reveal himself to man. So the book of Genesis is a multi-dimensional picture of God's character and nature. And I don't know if there's any other book in the Bible, all of the wonderful books of the Bible, where this is more true. It's here in the book of Genesis where we learn so much about the character and the nature of God. And as an added plus, we have so many foreshadowings of Christ also in this book of the Bible. And as we move through it, draw to your attention each one of those four shadowings. That is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. So it's a means by which we can come to know him in a greater way. His power, his creative genius, his love. And here in this section of this book of the Bible, it is most evident. We're talking about the creation of God. For example, in the 19th Psalm in verse 1, we are told there concerning creation, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now talk about his creative genius. Just for a moment, consider the proximity of the earth to the sun and the moon. We are told that the earth is the mathematically perfect distance from the sun. If it were any closer, it would burn. If it was any further, it would freeze. Actually, the relationship between the earth and the sun is approximately 92.96 million miles from the earth to the sun. If it was any closer or any further, it would be destruction for our planet earth. As it relates to the moon, the moon is also the perfect distance. Any closer, the tides would flood the earth. 
The distance between the Earth and our moon is 238,900 miles. And if it was just a mile short in either direction, it would have disastrous results and consequences to our planet Earth. So consider the handiwork, the creative genius of our God. Now specifically, what do we learn about God here in this creation account? Well, there are many things. There's actually tons of information here. That brings us to our first point, and that is God stands behind creation. Let's go back to that verse that was a part of our text in verse 1. It says simply, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So immediately, our attention is directed towards God. This account, really then, is all about him. Everything else are just objects. Light, water, land, sun, the moon, the animals, etc., our text says God. It begins with God. God saw. God separated. God called. He made. He said. He created. He spoke. And as a result, our universe came into existence. So the book of Genesis is all about God. It's not all about history because there was no one present at this time to record for posterity the events that are recorded here for us in the book of Genesis. This would be a prehistoric record. Man wasn't even around to record all of the things that are mentioned here in this creation account. It's all about God. It's not about science. Hardly. Its principal purpose is to inform us about the beginnings of Christianity. And unfortunately, the, also the beginnings of sin in this world and the destructive force of sin but it's also the beginnings of God's plan of salvation through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and sending him into the world. And as we move through this, we'll draw your attention. This will become more obvious as we move through this book of the Bible. Our first point, simply, God stands behind creation. Now that brings us to our second point, and that is, we see in creation the plurality of God. Go back to verse 1. I just touched on it last time. I want to further develop it for you this morning. It says, in the beginning, God. The word God here in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word Elohim, and it's plural. In the Hebrew language, it's plural. So therefore, we see in creation the plurality of God. The name for God used here, that's translated into our English word God, from the Hebrew is our Hebrew word Elohim. So what then we have here is the Trinity in creation. Yes, Jesus is right there from the beginning as well. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. His name isn't mentioned in this first couple of verses in the book of John, but it does refer to the Trinity. Let me give you a cross-reference from the New Testament. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, in verses 1 through 3, in the beginning, so he's bringing us back to chapter 1 in the book of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. And in context, if you read on, it's a reference to Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God the Father. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. 
Let me give you another cross-reference for this, and this is more kind of referring to Jesus in a more matter-of-fact kind of a way. But in the book of Colossians, in chapter 1, in verses 16 and 17, if you're reading it in context, it's a reference to Jesus. For by him, him is Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and all things were created for him. Okay, so you have Jesus in creation. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. You have the Father referred to there in verse 1. And then notice in verse 2, which was a part of our text last time, we have the Spirit. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, so there you have it. Right there from the beginning, you have the Trinity, the Trinity in creation. Why is this so significant? Why am I drawing your attention to this fact? Well, again, here we are told that the Trinity existed before time. And what does that suggest to us? We're not alone in this universe. I can't even imagine people going through life without knowing that there is a God who loves them, who has a plan for their lives, and is working out that eternal plan in our lives so that one day we can spend eternity with him. I can't even imagine going through life and with the sense of there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. I'm all alone here in this big universe. It's just a crapshoot of the roll of the dice. There's no rhyme or reason to the things that are going on in my life at this present time. Listen, believe me, that's no way to live your life. It certainly wasn't God's intention. So what we take away from the second point is this. The Trinity existed before time. And therefore, we can come to the accurate conclusion that we're not alone. We don't exist by chance. And thus, we need not fear being lost in an impersonal, loveless universe. God, in fact, does have a plan for each and every one of us. He's got our backs. And there's a reason for existing. And the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are working so hard, so diligently, to help us discover that plan and enjoy it. And that's why we're here this morning, at least in part, right? Yeah, we're here to worship him and to know him, but also to discover that plan, that we might give ourselves to that plan, that our lives might be enriched for it. Now, that brings us to our third point, and that is, in the form of a question, I guess, if God is behind all creation, then all the praise and glory should be directed towards him. You know, when we read this creation account, it's so spectacular. It's really a testimony to the creative genius of God. Not only his creation, but his being able to be the sustainer of all that he has created. All of the various different species of animals and plants. And, and we're going to go on and talk about man being created, the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, as we continue on here in Genesis chapter 1. But even up until this point, it's so spectacular. We're so fascinated by the capacities that God possesses. And also, we think of it in relationship to all of what God has created as the source of great enjoyment for mankind. 
Remember, after he created, he said it was good, but it was for the benefit of all of mankind. And then we are instructed to subdue all of the earth. It's all ours to enjoy. So think about it in this way then. The object, and remember this, is not equal to its creator. All the praise and glory should be directed towards him. Now, pagan religions, ancient religions, got this completely turned around. Because rather than worshiping the God who created all things, they erred in worshiping creation. In the book of Romans, we're told exactly that by Paul the Apostle in chapter 1 in verses 21 through 25. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile or empty in their minds, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The result of this will come up here in just a moment. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. They made these molten images, golden images, images of brass, and they began to bow down and worship them. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and notice, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And unfortunately, that's what pagan religions were engaged and involved in. So listen, we as Christians know why an object is there. Why is it there? So God may be glorified and man serve. If you want to be exact, God is to be praised as the creator even before he is to be praised as our redeemer. And yes, of course, we're supposed to praise him for our redemption as well. But even before that, we are to praise him because he created all things. When we're gathered together around the throne, and it's depicted for us in the book of Revelation in chapter 4 and verse 11, there's an interesting chorus that the redeemed sing, and all of you will be a part of that chorus, praise the Lord. And in that day, we won't be like, we're all off key, we're perfect pitch, man, you know? Um, we're looking forward to that. Well, at least I am, because I, I can't even hold a note. But anyway, in the book of Revelation in chapter 4 and verse 11, this is the chorus that they sing. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why is that? Because you created all things, and by your will, they exist and were created. Francis Schaeffer Many of you are familiar with that name. The prolific Christian thinker and writer said, and I quote, Our praise to God is not, first of all, in the area of the study of salvation. If we are being fully scriptural, we do not praise him first because he saved us, but rather because he is there and has always been there. We praise him because he willed all other things, including man, into existence. And I absolutely agree with that statement. Now, that brings us to our fourth point this morning. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. God is standing behind all of creation, and man is a part of God's handiwork. Consider the human body, the capacities that we have. 
to suggest that we came into existence out of some fortuitous, random, by chance, mistakes. It's just absolutely crazy. Just think about all of the capacities that are a part of our makeup. It's just a testimony to God behind creation. So man is a part of God's handiwork. But notice in verse 26 of chapter 1, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So we are part of God's handiwork. But let me give you another couple of cross-references for this. For example, in the book of Acts in chapter 17, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all breath and all things. Thanks, Patty. For in him we live and move and have our being. So also some of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring. That basically says it all. And then in verse 28 of that same uh, chapter, oh, we already read that, okay. So there you have it, okay. And uh, I just lost my, my place here. Okay, therefore, that's the point. We owe him our complete obedience and devotion. Listen, you sitting there in your seats, you wouldn't even be able to take your, your next breath, breathe air or oxygen into your lungs if it wasn't for God. He is the sustainer of all of creation, including mankind. You know, one writer expressed it this way. After the world was created, man was placed in it as in a theater. It's sort of like the canvas. The world is sort of like the canvas and uh, remember, I use the analogy, well, it's a biblical one, of God, the master potter. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, we are told there that we are God's workmanship. The word there in the Greek is poema. God has this wonderful capacity to make something out of nothing. In the beginning, God created, the word created is the Hebrew word bara. God created something out of nothing, unlike a carpenter who takes uh, piece of lumber, molds it, shapes it, cuts it, stains it, varnishes it, paints it, makes it into a piece of furniture. But God can create something out of nothing. He doesn't need any materials to work with. Aren't you glad? I think about myself and how God has taken hold of me and created who I am. It's still a work in process. I haven't arrived yet. But he's taken me. He didn't have a lot to work with, believe me. And he's now made me the pastor of this church. And we're so thankful for that. I think all of us can relate to that example and illustration. So anyway, after the world was created, man was placed in it as in a theater. You're like God's canvas, if you will. He's molding you. He's shaping you with each stroke. And ultimately, you will be this priceless work and piece of art. And the end result will look exactly like the person of Jesus Christ, because the Bible tells us that we are being conformed into his image. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then 
God made man, and he said that it is very good. Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what he does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.